Hello, Valley family. It's great to see everybody here in Poughkeepsie and also watching online. Super excited to be here with everybody today as we are continuing in our series, I Want to Believe But. For anyone who doesn't know who I am, I'm Stephen Francis, once again stepping in for Dr. Greg as we continue this awesome series. If this is your first time joining us both here, online, wherever, I want to just fill you in a little bit on what we're doing with this series. See, we believe that many of us, we live real lives, and many times when you have real lives, you have real situations that happen, uh, good times and bad times. And by the way, happy Thanksgiving. Hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving and a very Merry Christmas to all of those that are watching. Hope you survived Black Friday, too. I know I beat somebody up over a television, but I repented, so I'm moving forward. But still, I know many of us have experienced things in our lives that cause for us to question the existence of God. We want to believe in God, but we struggle with certain things about him. We struggle with what his character really is. And this whole point of this series is to challenge people that perhaps the God that you're mad at is not the one true God, but a false narrative of God that's been given to you, whether by you or somebody else. See, the first week we talked about on-demand God. How can I believe in a God that doesn't answer all of my prayers when I ask them? Then last week, Dr. Greg did an amazing job preaching on the message, how do we believe in a God with all of these commandments and rules attached to, to what it means to be a Christian? How can I believe in that? How can I follow that? Today we're keeping on with this and we're talking today about I want to believe in God, but how do I believe in a God when I don't feel anything with him? I don't sense his presence. I don't see him. I can't touch him. Why should I believe in him? Put my faith in God today. And church, out of all the things that we're going to be talking about in this series, this was the one that affected me the most. Truth be told, I really struggled with this particular one because before I became a Christian, I still grew up in church. And I saw so many things happen in church. Now, I've said this before up here. I grew up in a Pentecostal, charismatic church background. So I saw many things that would be considered supernatural. And I've also seen things that I kind of thought was maybe a little suspicious. But either way, I saw what people believe to be the act of God move on their lives in such unique and powerful ways. And eventually when I gave my life to Jesus at about 15, 16 years old, I said that I wanted to experience God in this very same way. I want to know what the presence of God feels like in my life in that supernatural way. So I went back to my charismatic Pentecostal church. And I said, God, whatever is happening here, and sometimes people would be speaking in tongues, sometimes people would run around the room. There was this other thing in particular that caught my attention more than any of the other things, and that was this thing called being slain in the spirit, where a pastor would put his hands on somebody, pray over them, and from that touch, they would end up feeling the Holy Spirit in such a way that they ended up falling back and fainting, believing it was a supernatural power that caused it. So one particular Sunday in church, I said, you know what? I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm trying this God thing out. I want to know in my life, can this happen for me? I want to feel God in this very unique way. 
So what was different about this Sunday was that we had a guest speaker speak at our church. And after the guest speaker spoke at our church, he created an altar call where he said, whoever wants to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, come up and let me pray for you. So I said, well, this must be God because this is exactly what I'm looking for. So I get in line to get prayed for by this man. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, maybe like at an amusement park when you're in line for a roller coaster or maybe some other activity where you're excited about it until you're in line for that thing to happen. And all of a sudden you get second thoughts and you're like, I don't really know if I want to do this. I don't really know if this is a good idea. Actually, what if I like pass out and I like fall on the floor and hit my head because somebody didn't catch me and I die? Like what's going to happen? I was like, I don't know if this is what I want to happen to me. But not only was that happening, at the same time, as I'm looking at the pastor that's praying over people, I'm noticing that usually when a pastor prays for somebody, they just kind of put their hands gently on somebody and pray for them. But this particular pastor had a little bit of like a kung fu move with the way he was like putting his hand on people. And I kept thinking to myself, like, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit knocking these people out or if the pastor just hits them at the right spot in their forehead that just makes them lay out. I don't know. And I I'm not sure if I want to get knocked out in that way. Either way, I made it to when it was close to me about to go up. And I made the decision that instead of trying to be slain in the spirit, I was just going to be fake in the spirit. And I did what was known in the Pentecostal church as the courtesy fall. So when it was my turn to stand up for this man to pray for me, the second I saw his hand draw back to launch into my forehead, I just pretended I fainted. I just closed my eyes and fell back. And I just pretended that the Holy Spirit came upon me. And people are shouting and praising God and everything. Me, on the other hand, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel so bad. And here's the worst part, too. Like, because I faked it, I didn't know when I was supposed to get up. So I'm just laying on the floor the whole time with like one eye open from time to time to see if it was cool for me to get up to make it look authentic. But the whole reason why I did that was because I wanted to experience the relationship with God that I saw everybody else around me have. I was getting upset because I saw people that felt so close with God. Every time they prayed to him, it seemed like a very close, intimate conversation. Every time they talked about him, it seemed like they knew him so personally. And I didn't feel any of those things. And perhaps maybe that's somebody in here today watching online. You've struggled with the fact that you've been serving in church, you've been attending uh, community groups, you've been doing all of these extracurricular things to feel the presence of God, yet you feel like there's still something missing in your life. You're not connecting with God the same way that other people are. So if you're following along in the Valley app today, I want you to write this down because I think this is more important than anything else is that if you have not felt the presence of God, let me let you know that you are not alone. If you haven't felt God's presence, you're not alone. The person sitting next to you has probably felt that way. The person that is speaking to you right now on this stage has felt that way. And not only have we felt that way, but even people in the Bible have felt that way. King David, the man that was known as the man after God's own heart, says this in Psalm 88, starting at verse 13. He says this, but I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. 
Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? God, I want to believe in you. I'm trusting in you. But why do I feel like when I pray to you, nothing is happening? You're not listening. You don't care. And maybe you felt that way where in your prayers you feel like, I don't know if anybody's actually listening. Maybe in times like me, you've had moments where it's like I'm trying to feel God and in this room and I see people crying and I see people with their hands raised so filled with emotion, but I'm just standing there feeling nothing. This is the same feeling that David had. And I dare say that not only did David have it, but other characters like Abraham, like Jacob, like Peter, like Paul and Sarah, and even Jesus has felt this way. Scriptures shows that twice in the Bible, Jesus felt that he was not in the presence of God himself. When he was baptized and he heard the voice of God speak to him, but then was led by the spirit of God into the wilderness where he did not hear God's voice, but was being tempted by the devil for 40 days. And even worse, when Jesus, after riding in on a donkey just a week later, was on a cross dying for our sins. And the theologians believe that because of the sins that Jesus bore, it was so much that God actually turned his face from Jesus. And Jesus screams on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? I don't feel you right now. This may sound weird to say, but I'm bold enough to say it. If you're in here and you have not felt the presence of God, you're not alone. The God we serve knows what it feels like to not feel the presence of God in a tough situation. But still, there are things that can help us understand when we are in those moments, what could be the cause of it? So I want to go into the three reasons why I believe maybe you're not feeling the presence of God in your life. The first thing is this, is maybe you're over-sensualizing it. You're over-sensualizing it. See, I believe that there are three words that begin with the letter F that we live our lives by. The first one is feelings. I believe a lot of us live according to our feelings and feelings are good. Feelings were designed by God. They're necessary for us to make it through life. But the thing about feelings is many times our feelings, despite how strong they can come on us. I mean, shoot, if you have feelings for something good, it causes for people to do incredible things. Great feats of strength, great achievements in life were brought because of the passions that they had in their hearts. But also those same feelings that can cause for good things to happen can also be the feelings that can lead us astray. I've seen many people that were in love with somebody, had strong affections for somebody, but the relationship they were in was toxic, maybe even dangerous to themselves. Shoot, I've had people that had strong affections for one another and they wanted to be together forever, forgetting the fact that they were already in committed marriages with other people. I've seen people, and we're living in a day and age now where many of us are living in fear because we know that there are random times when because of somebody else's feelings about themselves and about the world, they end up doing something in an act of violence that ends up hurting the people around them. Feelings are good, but at the same time, feelings can be dangerous if we don't put them in check. But that's only the first F. The second F is facts. And facts are important. Facts are needed. Facts are the things that help us make decisions because those things that we are trying to do, we know that they are possible. 
There's proven evidence. There's substantial support in order for us to move and act in a particular way. Facts are important. We need to have facts in our lives. But facts also are not the best way for us to only live our lives. Because certain facts that come across your life may cause you to lose hope in your own life. Some of you know for a fact that you have a long family line of substance abuse or you have a long family line of toxic relationships. And those facts can sometimes bring despair on your life. Many of us know that there's things happening in our world and in our environment that because of those facts can cause for us to feel like that all is lost and that we shouldn't live to fight another day to try to make something good because whatever we're dealing with is what it always has been and probably what it always will be. But this is the problem with facts is that even though facts are important and yes, even though feelings are important, God calls for us to live according to something else, and that's faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, and this isn't in your notes, so I'll go ahead and just read it from here. Hebrews 11 says that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is what God calls us to live according to. Faith in scripture says that if you have enough faith in God, even the size of a mustard seed, you'll be able to see and witness more than anything you could have ever accomplished on your own power and strength. God calls us to live by faith. He created feelings. He obviously created facts. But he says in order to please him, in order to do more to see God work in our lives, he needs for us to have faith. So I want you to remember today that we should not make our feelings faith. Feelings are not faith. But often what we do is we take those feelings that we have and we try to combine it with our faith. And I do believe that we'll have moments in faith that bring, a, bring about emotions, bring about feelings. And we also have facts that can also support our faith. But many times we try to confuse it with our feelings that we have faith issues. See, I heard a pastor say it like this, and I thought that this was powerful. He says, how do you know when you have felt the presence of God, honestly and truly? How do you know if you felt the presence of God? Was it because you were in a worship service and you got moved with emotion? Was it because you felt a sense of peace on your life? He was like, dare I say that you could be moved by a YouTube video? Dare I say that the same feeling of peace that you felt from God could also be the same peace you feel from a nice massage? And his whole point was not to say that, yes, there are never times in our faith where we don't have feelings that affect us. But what he was saying was that you cannot bank all of your feelings on faith. In fact, I can come into church and I can have a genuine encounter with God that brings me to emotion, that brings peace upon my life. But church, that does not mean that if I come back the next week and I don't feel those things, that God was still not present. God is always there. God always cares. But we cannot allow our feelings to indicate what that was. 
And because I've had those encounters, and I'll be honest, I've had times where I've been moved with emotions, where I've been given supernatural peace, where I felt God answer a question for me. And I've had those same times where I've wanted God to actually interact again in that same way. I'm not alone in this either. The disciples in John chapter 6 asked Jesus this vital question. So they, the disciples, asked Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. See, the disciples are saying, Jesus, we want to believe you, but we've seen you act out in this particular way in the past. Can we see those things again? Can you duplicate what you've done again so that we can believe you? And Jesus' response later on in the passage basically says this, that his point in those times of provision was not to have people linked to the provision, but for people to link to the provider. Jesus doesn't need to do the same tricks twice because Jesus is trying to show that what he did again, you can trust in him to do it in a similar or different way in the future. So I've had times where I felt the presence of God in a worship service and I came back and I was like hoping that the church or the worship team would sing the exact same song again so I can get that feeling again. I've had times where I've listened to the same sermon from a pastor over and over and over. Listened to the same worship song over and over and over because I felt like when I did it, I felt the presence of God. And I'm not saying that I didn't feel the presence of God in those moments. But the problem was I wasn't growing in my faith in those moments. I was actually just creating superstitions. I was creating an environment by which I put God in a box that said God can only move in this way and in this fashion and I need to seek him as such. But that is not the will of God. That is not how God works. But that's only the first thing that I need to keep in check when I don't feel the presence of God. Am I over centralizing it? The second thing that I need to ask myself is that maybe God's presence is not my priority. James 4 says this in the message, you're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. See, what James is trying to say in this particular passage is that there are times where many of us will come to faith with God, will have a relationship with God, but at the same time, there might be certain things that are blocking us from experiencing God in that full relationship. Many times, it's a sin in our lives. And sin is a very loaded word, and maybe you're new to church and you don't have a great understanding of sin. Simply what I mean by the word sin, sin in its exact definition means to miss the mark. Similar to like if I were to play basketball and I took a shot at a, with the basketball and I ended up missing the basket in the Old Testament times, that would be considered a sin. I missed the mark. And the same way I can miss a shot and end up losing a basketball game, the same way that there are moral things that we should be aiming for, there are spiritual things that we should be looking toward, and I can, because of my sin, many times miss the mark, and even worse, not only harm my relationship with God himself, but my relationship with other people. And this is why the word of God is important, because not only does it reveal who God is, but it helps us to understand what marks we should be looking for, what things we should be aiming for. The thing about that is that we're still only human. We still make mistakes. We still fall short. So yes, God's grace is sufficient for us in our weaknesses, but then also 
we need to be mindful that many times that the sins that we're dealing with, there's a difference between us struggling with the sin and us just accepting those sins. Saying that it is what it is. This is just who I am. This is just what the culture uh, operates with. And it's in those times that we experience a separation from God. See, I can explain it in a different way. See, I love my wife, Jasmine. Love of my life, married her in 2015, and I hope to be with her for the rest of my life. But here's the thing about that. I, because I am married to my wife, I can be legally married to my wife and still do other things that I would like to do. I can hang out with my friends as much as I want. I can try to play as much video games as I want. I can try to hang out with maybe ex-girlfriends or whatever else as much as I want. And I can still be legally married to my wife. However, the relationship would not thrive. And I already feel the heat of saying hanging out with ex-girlfriends. I'm not hanging out with ex-girlfriends. This is just hypothetical, all right? I'm about to get stabbed when I get home, but listen. My whole point and what I'm trying to say is that many of us are Christians because, yes, we had a moment where we gave our lives to Jesus and he made a covenant with us. But we're not feeling the closeness of that relationship with Jesus because we are too busy doing other things that interest us. We're not investing in that relationship, but instead we're doing other things. So often I ask people or when people ask me, they say, Pastor, I'm not feeling the presence of God the way that I used to. I used to feel it when I came into church. I used to feel it when I uh, would go to community group and now I don't feel it as much anymore. My question to them is, well, I, I can understand that you don't feel it in those particular ways, but what's your prayer life like? What's your devotion time consist of? Because if you're not pursuing him in those things, if you're not pursuing him in the things that you could be responsible for, then why then would you expect for God to show up in these bigger events, in these bigger venues? Sometimes we lean on a church service too much. Sometimes we lean on a community group or our discipler so much, but we forget that we, it is us that are supposed to be pursuing God for our own selves. Seeking his face for our own lives. And many times because of that, those can be the things that get in our way when it comes to experiencing God in his fullness. There's a third thing that I do ask myself. Sometimes I wonder, am I not feeling God's presence because I'm over sensualizing it? Then there's times when I'm asking myself, am I not feeling God's presence because actually God's presence is not a real priority in my life? But then also I ask the question, Am I in a place where I don't feel God's presence because I'm in a season of seeking his presence? Maybe you're in a season of seeking. Acts 17, starting at verse 24, says this. From one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times and history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they should seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. See, I believe just like the seasons that we experience in a year, especially in this area of New York, we also have seasons of the soul. 
We have seasons like summer where many times it's after we just got saved or we just heard something that inspired us and just fueled us so much spiritually where everything just seems to be so alive and vibrant. Every time I open my Bible, I feel like Jesus is reading it straight to me. Every time I come into church and I listen to the worship music, it feels like every song was written for me and I am empowered and it's impactful on my life. I'm like praying for stuff and everything I'm praying for is happening. That's sometimes the summer season. But then we enter into a fall season and it's still we feel the presence of God. Still, we do know that God is there, but things just aren't coming as easily anymore. So often what we do is we change up our Bible reading plan. We change up our, our praying time. We, we, we adjust our serving schedule. And we do as much as we can to kind of troubleshoot whatever it is that we're dealing with spiritually. Still feeling the presence of God, yes, at times, but feeling also that it's not as close or it's not as often as it used to be. That spark, that fire has gone down a bit. And then many times after that fall season, we enter into a place of winter where we don't feel God's presence at all. Where we feel, again, that every time we pray, our prayers hit the ceiling. That every time we come to church, we see everybody else involved in the worship and shouting uh, and praising God, but we feel nothing. Shoot, I've had times when in the midst of my winter season, I was walking and, and, and times when I was laying in bed and I, and I asked myself, do I really believe all of this stuff? Is this stuff really real? Because if it is, why, why would I feel this way? Why would life be this way? And it's so often in the winter times that we see people give up on their faith we see people sometimes even leave churches, try different denominations because what they felt so fiery about at one point in their lives, now everything just kind of seems dead. And in reality, what we are feeling, it's not on God necessarily, but it's just the season that we're in in our relationship with God. I think many of us would do better if when we thought about our relationship with God, we thought about it from an actual relationship. See, again, like I already said in the previous point, I love my wife, Jasmine. My love for my wife has grown since we got married in 2015 and has definitely grown since I first met her years before that. At the same time, our relationship looks differently than it does back in 2015. Our relationship looks differently than when we were first dating. And we had seasons where everything was vibrant and loving, and we've had seasons where it was a little tough and we had to push through it. I think that's the same thing with God. That you're going to have seasons with God where everything seems easy, and you're going to have seasons with God where it's difficult, but you have to push through. And when we push through, that's when I believe that we see things in the spring season of our souls where things are new again and things are fresh. And we see God in a new way, in a way that makes us even more mature in our faith. See, I believe that spiritual maturity is not found in how loud you sing when everything is going well in your summer seasons in life, but is how deep you seek after God in the winters of your life. 
It's how deep you look for God when you feel like his presence isn't there, when you feel like he's not there for you. Church, I need to say it again that our feelings cannot be our faith. And what I love about Jesus is that even when he was in difficult situations, as we see throughout scriptures, he did not just cling on a feeling from God, but he reminded himself, he reminded his opposition what God's word had said. He trusted in what God's word had said. He had faith in what God's word had said, and that brought him to go forward the same way that it will do for each and every one of us. Our faith in Jesus cannot be predicted upon just the feelings we have in a worship service or in a time of prayer, community group, you fill in the blank. But our faith must be defined that we trust in God even when we feel like he's furthest from us. Because let me encourage you with this today, that God's silence does not mean absence. You may not feel God's presence, but you know in his word that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So today, I want to close with one practical challenge that I believe can help us grow in our faith. We need to seek and see God. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 You will seek me. This is God talking to the people of Israel. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Hebrews 11 verse 6 echoes this. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Church, when you seek after God, you will see God. It's that simple. You may not see him right away. You may not see him instantly. But when you seek after God, his word is made clear that you will see him. You will experience his presence. You will experience his power in your life. But church, I want to ask you, are you trying to see God without going through the effort of seeking after God? Are we expecting to have a thriving relationship with God, yet also expecting for God to do all the work? Seeking God can be in a plethora of different ways, from reading our Bibles often, to praying, to fasting, to serving. But whatever it takes amongst one of those things that I've mentioned, Sometimes it's even, I've seen people pay to go to different spiritual conferences, Christian conferences. I've seen people pay to talk with somebody, a spiritual mentor or something else. But I've seen people that gave given up on their faith with Jesus too short because they didn't know that if they sought after him, that they will find him. See, I believe that spiritual maturity is not found in experiencing the presence of God no matter what, but it's us seeking after God no matter what, when we feel his presence and when we don't. So my prayer and my challenge for each and every person today, here and online and in Poughkeepsie, is that you seek after God because when you seek him, you will find him.
I'd love to pray with you right now. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are, for what you've done. Father, God, we have faith in you today that, Lord Jesus, that you are here with us. From the person that feels your presence in this room to the person that feels nothing at all, still your presence is here and remains. And God, I pray that every person in here under the sound of my voice will experience you, but also will feel your spirit pulling them to seek after you, to seek you in deeper ways, to go to higher heights and deeper depths with you, Jesus, knowing that it is better to have you than anything else in this world that we could have underneath our Christmas tree. God, we love you. God, we trust you. And maybe you're somebody in here today and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior because you realize, you know, what? I haven't felt anything in so long. I haven't felt God's presence, but I want to feel God's presence. I want to know what it's like to follow him. I want to know what it's like to have him in my life because I know whatever I have now, this nothingness cannot compare to whatever it is that God has for me. I want what he has. If that's you today, I just love it. If you could just repeat these words after me. God's word actually says that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we believe that today by faith. So by faith, repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, please come into my life. I accept you as Savior, and I believe you are Lord. Thank you for what you've done for me. I'm excited to take this adventure by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.